was good, wasn't it? Gosh, dog. Amen. Amen. Y'all should just have a time of every week's service where they sing that song, and then you're like, okay, well, now we can have church, you know. Whether you want to do it at the beginning or the end sometime, that was beautiful. Thank y'all so much for that. Uh, my name is Jeremy Woodall. I probably look familiar to some of you. Uh, my name probably sounds familiar to some of you. I want to tell you just a little bit about who I am because I'm really not that important, so I want to get that out of the way uh, first. Uh, I do have an important position uh, I'm a cooperative program missionary commissioned by churches just like yours to do ministry on the campus of the University of Arkansas at Monticello, which I think is the greatest university in the world, and I'm just honored to be able to be a campus minister uh, on that campus. I'm thankful for uh, churches like Emmanuel Warren and so many other churches that support us, not only financially, but just uh, support us. You know, money is, 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 a, is, is a big thing. Uh, but Matt provides me uh, encouragement. Uh, Dustin provides me encouragement. So many of you provide me encouragement, my family encouragement, and uh, you can't put a dollar figure on that. And so I'm just, uh, I consider you family. Hopefully you consider uh, me family even after I, I came and broke a string during the middle of worship a couple months ago whenever I was here in, in TJ's uh, spot. And uh, I had such a wonderful time that week and, and so glad uh, to be back. Don't make a big deal about me being here on, on Father's Day. Uh, I think it's an honor to be able to stand uh, in this pulpit in Matt's place at any time. I can't take his place, but I'm, I'm honored to be able to be here uh, while he is on mission in Haiti. So before we get started, let's pray for our Haiti mission team real quick, and, uh, and then we'll get started. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I want to dedicate uh, this portion of the service to you. Um, Lord, I'm so thankful for TJ and the worship team that led us in worship, and we're thankful for uh, the mission team from this church that is on the ground in Haiti right now. Uh, Pastor Matt, Pastor Dustin, and so many others uh, that are there serving. God, I pray that you will uh, give them favor in, in, the, in the minds and the hearts of the people that they are ministering to, that you'll give them mercy, uh, whether it be through travel or what they eat or, or just keeping them safe. God, that you'll continue to just put your hedge of protection around them. God, we pray for fruit. We pray for people uh, to come to know your son, Jesus Christ, uh, while they are there. Uh, God, I pray that you'll be with us in the next uh, few moments as we uh, break open the bread of life and we discuss it together and we talk about it. God, I pray that, uh, that I will be far away from what takes place on this stage and that it will just be you that speaks through me. pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Um, well, September 14th, 22nd, sorry, 2014, I became a dad to a little uh, girl, and I wish I had some pictures to show you, but you can, you're welcome to go on my Facebook or Instagram or anything like that because it's flooded with pictures uh, of my kids. But that's the day Willow Grace Woodall was born, and I became a father. And I didn't realize how great being a father is or was. I didn't realize the amount of weight uh, that my father had carried on his shoulders for so many years when it came to my sister and I, but that is when, for me, life really became fun. And, and the biggest blessings that have happened in my life have taken place, I believe, a after Christ, after I came to know Christ, uh, when I became a father. 
April 17th, 2017, we had Cash, our little boy, uh, and he is a bundle of joy, and now life has completely uh, turned upside down because we thought we had had it figured out with a two-and-a-half-year-old. We thought we had the parenting thing down, and then number two came along, and now we realize we didn't know anything, and we're trying to uh, relearn the things that we thought that we did know. And I'm thankful for fathers. I'm thankful for parents, but I'm especially thankful for fathers and I'm thankful for those of you in this room that are fathers. I'm thankful for those of you in this room that have a father. And it's, it's, it's a very big deal. And so uh, I'm, not, I'm not just... I, I'm, I'm glad we celebrate Father's Day. I, I don't want this to come across as that I'm not a fan of Father's Day. Uh, but I'm not a fan of us just uh, you know, placing significance on one day of the year for certain things, whether it be Mother's Day or Father's Day or some of the other, other of these things. Fathers should be honored. Mothers should be honored. Especially our Lord should be honored uh, every day of the year. Because our fathers provide so much or they can leave so much on the table uh, that is not given or offered to the life of a child. There's someone in Scripture that we're going to talk about a little bit this morning, and then I would be remiss today not to talk about my father, and we're going to spend some time talking about my father and just some of the lessons the Lord has taught me through my father, especially over uh, this last year, year and a half. But Timothy is a young man, and we're going to be uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 for just a little bit, and then we're going to jump to Acts chapter 16. And then finally, we're going to settle in Romans chapter 1. So if you don't remember that, I'm going to, I'm going to repeat that in just a moment and make sure you guys have time uh, to get there in just a second. But Timothy was a young man who Paul heard about and then he began a relationship with. And Timothy was a great example of someone who came alongside a father figure because Paul speaks of Timothy in this way. He speaks of Titus. He, th- he speaks of other people that followed him around, kind of disciples of Paul, people that followed Paul and did ministry with Paul. He speaks of them as his sons as different times. He talks to them as sons in the faith. And whenever Paul talks about Titus, and he says that you are my son, he's not just using uh, this as an allusion to that. He really considers him, even in, in the Greek language, you are my child. And so Paul loves Timothy very much. But there's something about Timothy that is quite special. We read about Timothy, uh, and we'll start in chapter uh, chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, and it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child. There goes uh, that wording. And this is not just something that, that, that people said to other people. You know, uh, my uncle calls me son, but the reason why he calls me son is because my grandfather called me son. My, my, my uncle does not speak to me as I am his child. And there's not very many men that come into my life that speak to me that call me son or that call me their child. Now, now Dino probably at some time in his life felt like he had to raise me uh, he was my coach, and uh, if we get up here and we started telling stories, you know, TJ was definitely correct. I would not say something about TJ that could possibly get him in trouble because he's got a million stories on me. Well, Dino's got more stories than anybody in this room on me. And so, but Dino, you know, even though he probably felt sometime that, you know what, I was his child, you know, he, he doesn't call me son. 
He does, it's, it's just not something that we say very often. It's not something that was said very often in the Scriptures as well. But Paul places an emphasis on Timothy. He says, my beloved child. This is someone that Paul cherishes with all of his heart. He said, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you consistently and continually and constantly in my prayers night and day and as I remember your tears I long to see you that I may be filled with joy I'm reminded of your sincere faith when he thinks of Timothy he has come to tears he is brought to tears he's filled with joy when he thinks about Timothy and the thing that he thinks about Timothy and the thing that comes up into his mind and to his heart when he thinks about Timothy is his sincere, true, authentic faith. But this faith began somewhere with Timothy. Now I'm thankful that I had a, a, a set of parents, a father and a mother, but especially a father that took me to a little church just north of town, Macedonia Baptist Church, every Sunday, every time the doors were open, they took me to church. They started developing inside of me a legacy that if I decided to one day walk away from it, it was not their fault because they were going to lead and direct me and guide me in the way that I should go, and that was in the way of Jesus Christ and to develop a relationship, to have that opportunity to develop a relationship with Him. And so he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. The faith that began, that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois. And in your mother, Eunice. And now, I'm sure, dwells in you as well. This sincere faith that Paul points out in the life of Timothy began... In that relationship with his grandmother and with his mother. And, and when I read that, and you know, sometimes whenever we're reading, and it's just the very first part of that, that book of the Bible, this letter to Timothy, uh, we can rush past that and continue on. But we're going to stop here for just a second because there's something kind of peculiar about that. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Peculiar. I can't speak this morning. But there's something kind of strange about that to me. Because it's a faith that was passed down to Timothy by his grandmother and his mother. But if we go to Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 16, starting in the very first verse of that chapter, we kind of find out why. That there's somebody of significance, there's somebody of importance that is left out of that faith equation when it comes to Timothy. Because we are told that this sincere faith this authentic faith, this true faith that dwells in Timothy first dwelt and was first passed on to him by his grandmother and his mother. Chapter 16 of Acts, it says, Paul came to Derbe and to Lystra and a disciple was there named Timothy. Disciple is someone who follows after the Lord. Well, there was someone there that was following after the Lord, and his name was Timothy. A lot of times in Scripture, whenever we are uh, told the sons of Zebedee, 
different men that we read about, we will, we will see their name and then we'll see the son of so-and-so. And nine times out of ten, it's going to be the son and then it's going to be a man's name. But we're going to see here that it says, a person named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman, who was a believer, who was a follower of Christ, but his father was a Greek. So we find out that in that faith equation, the reason why someone of significance and that person of significance that I'm talking about this morning is his father is left out of this faith equation is because his father was not a believer. His father was not a follower of Christ. His father was not someone that passed on this real and authentic, true faith to Timothy because his father didn't possess it. And to me, it's a very sad verse of Scripture. And it's very sad for this reason because I am blessed and I am lucky as some of you in this room are and there's fathers in this room that are doing this. I'm blessed that I had a father that passed on a legacy of faith in my life. And I think one of the main reasons why I'm here outside of just the grace of God uh, alone itself, a part of that grace of God is because of the way that my father disciplined me, the way that my father raised me, but ultimately some of the things that my father did that instilled within me my belief system. And my belief system is this, is that my faith and trust has to be placed in someone other than myself because only Jesus Christ should be the possessor of that faith and that trust because there's no other name under heaven that we can be saved other than the name of Jesus. But you know what? I didn't just wake up one day in my bed and know that. We would go to bed, and, and, if, and if you follow me on Facebook, I kind of put a little post about that this morning. When I think about my father, these are things that I think about daily. My, my mom always said that I always had a scary memory and that I didn't really necessarily remember the things that I was supposed to remember, but I remember just significant details from my childhood. And I can remember growing up over there by the high school, our little house there on the highway, and we would go down, my parents had built onto that house before I was born, after Lindsay was born, my sister, and they built onto that house towards the back, and so you kind of step down into their bedroom, and their big bed was in there, and the TV was kind of sitting off to the left side of the bed, and we would huddle up and sit on that bed, and we would watch television. And I remember it like it was yesterday, back when the TV show Hunter was on television. And I, I guess my parents really liked that show, because we would be sitting down during the time, after we had gotten uh, cleaned up and and ready for bed, and we'd sit on that bed together, and we'd watch this television show, and as soon as it would go off and it would be in the credits, Dad would turn the television off, and then he would open his Bible, and he would open up his uh, study book that he would re he would receive from church, and we would do a family devotion. And it would be a competition between my sister and I, which most of everything was in our entire life was a competition, uh, to see who could read uh, the Scripture uh, the most scripture for the, the Bible study and you know we always kind of fought over who got to read first and, and who, who got to read the most but there would always be a time after we'd read that scripture that my, my parents would sit there and they would ask us questions and it was led by my father each and every night and what developed inside of me was a passion for God's word because I saw my dad had a passion for it and so my dad raised me in that and we're going to talk about authentic faith because, you know, sometimes you can, you can put on a front and you can do things. You know what? If you, if you just read the Bible for the sake of reading the Bible and it's not about developing a relationship with Christ and you're reading it for the wrong reasons. If you go to church 
and you show up every time the doors are open and you dress your best and you, you sit on the front row and you, you're a deacon and what are all these other types of things, but if it's not about a relationship with Christ then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And as I grew up, I was saved as a 12-year-old at Siloam Springs Church Camp in northwest Arkansas. And a few years later, I felt God's call to ministry, and I answered that call, and I, and I, was, I was, uh, had other people praying for me, and I, and I knew for a fact that that's what God was calling me to do, and I answered that call. And I was preaching a service or a sermon for, for youth at Calvary Baptist in Warren, in Monticello, sorry, one night, and my dad came. And I give an invitation that night. I'd shared the gospel. I talked about what Christ had done for us on the cross, the same message that I responded to as a 12-year-old. And I preached that message. And a few people started walking down front, but the person of, of most significance that walked down front was my father. He walked down front, and he walks up to me, and he, he, he bends down, and he, he hugs my neck, and he says, I need you to pray for me. I said, okay. So I just, I didn't know what to pray, so I just prayed for my dad, and and he went and he sat down. Well, then we had a revival at church a week or so later. A guy that came from Georgia and preached a, a crusade, a week-long revival. And my dad walks the aisle one night. And they hand him a microphone. And what he said was this. He says, I, I realized when my son was preaching, he was sharing the gospel, that I was doing things as a parent that I knew that I was supposed to be doing but I was doing it for the wrong reasons. It was not authentic. And my dad, that night, he was a deacon in the church. He was a deacon whenever he, he served at Macedonia. A deacon in the church stood before his friends and people that knew him, unashamed, and he said, Today, tonight, I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the first time. Blew us all away. And then he followed up on that, and he, he wanted to prove that it was authentic and it was true. And that very day, before we left, he was baptized. And some people said, you know what, your dad, I just thought, oh, Jerry was a Christian. I know Jerry was a Christian. Well, I can, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, I know that my dad got saved that day. Not only just because he said it, but because I saw a change in him. A great change. Because there's something about my dad that, that I never, ever, ever saw him do. I never, ever saw him share his faith. Never saw him share his faith. And one of the biggest indicators that my dad had made a decision to follow Christ is that he started sharing his faith. He started telling people that he worked with. He started calling old friends that he doubted whether or not they had a relationship with Christ. He started reading not just family devotion time. He would read books on, on, on faith and on missions, on doing different things. My dad went on a mission trip. He started doing these, these things to prove that he had this authentic faith. And one of the most important things that my dad did is he lived out for me Romans. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 over this last year and a half for me. A lot of you know um, my father. You know kind of what we went through with my father over this last year. Well, I'm going to tell a little bit about that story, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about how my father ended his life well. And he, lended, he, 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 he lived and he ended his life unashamed of the gospel. Romans chapter six, or, uh, chapter 1, verse 16 says this. 
It says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Now, there's some things that I saw my father do. There's a couple things that I never saw my father do. I never saw my father ever, or I never heard my father ever use foul language. Never heard him say a curse, curse word in my entire life. Here goes back to that memory I'm talking about just a little bit ago. I can remember in our house growing up here in Warren, my dad said, Dad gum, one time. We were in the bathroom, and I think he was in the shower, and I was doing something in the bathroom, and I might have flushed the toilet or something like that, and cold water came out, or I may have done something else. And he said, Dad gum, and I lost my mind because I thought my dad had cussed because it was the first time that I ever heard, heard him cuss. We couldn't use language that was even had the hint of foul to it. I never heard him, I never heard him do those things. And like I said earlier, I never heard him share the gospel but i'm sure that there was things that my dad was ashamed of he didn't he didn't say curse words now dino may have heard him curse back in back in school but in my lifetime i never heard him cuss but i'm sure there was things in my dad's life that he was ashamed of and i'm sure if you and i just emptied our closet out for for everybody to see today i promise you i would be ashamed but everybody in this room we would be ashamed of something in our life january of last year uh, we woke up one Sunday morning, and my sister-in-law from Longview, Texas, called my wife, and, and I knew it was, it was odd getting a call that early, especially from her, and, and I could tell by her voice as my wife was, was talking that something was not right. Well, my mother-in-law was home alone because my father-in-law was working in the oil, oil, he works in the oil industry, and he was in New Mexico, and uh, she heard... Uh, a crash, a, break, a breaking of glass. She thought somebody was breaking in the house, but the house was on fire. And they live in an old log cabin, a wooden, wooden house. And within seconds, it was completely engulfed, and she barely made it out. So we, were dry, we drove to Texas. I was supposed to preach that morning. I called the pastor. I was like, is there any way uh, you can supply in my, in, my, in, my, in, my, in my spot so we can go and take care of this family matter? And he was like, of course. And we drove to Texas, and we helped clean up what we could. And the year didn't start off very well. Well, that very next week, I'm sitting in a meeting in Little Rock, and, and I know my dad hadn't been feeling very well. Uh, eight years prior, he had been diagnosed with a type of cancer called large granular lymphocyte leukemia. Uh, LGL is what they call it, or lazy leukemia, for those that can't sell, say what I just said. And it's, it's a type of cancer that you get it, and you can get it at my age and live to be 100 because the the onset of it and uh, the symptoms are just so slow moving and he had had that and but it was he it was very well under control he took a pill form of chemotherapy and didn't lose his hair didn't show a lot of side effects and so we just thought that hey you know we dodged a bullet we're just so thankful that that it was this and not anything else well he started kind of feeling bad around the holidays and we didn't really know how bad he felt and so we went to go get some test run they thought that they did some upper gi lower gi things to make sure that it wasn't they thought it might have been kidney stones at, at at one point in time and but he goes and sees his oncologist and it was on a thursday and he gives me a call and i'm in this meeting i have to decline it and he texts me and he says i need you to call me so i stepped out and i called him and he says i got really bad news today from the oncologist and immediately i knew things were about to be different. And he, he told me what he had heard. His, his cancer had mutated to uh, a type of lymphoma that was very, very aggressive, uh, T-cell lymphoma. 
and he was at stage four. And so, just things that you don't want to hear. And so, I just remember saying to Dad, because I didn't really know what to say, but I'm always the person that feels like they have to say something. And so, I was just like, Dad, you know, hey, we're just going to trust the Lord. He said, yeah, and we're going to stay positive. That's what we're going to do. Well, over the course of the next few months, uh, really that over that next week, uh, we ended up having to put him in the hospital. His, his fever had just gone through the roof, and it wouldn't come down. And we take him to the hospital, and over the course of the next three months, he spent about four days out of the hospital before he ended up passing away April 10th of last year. But one of the first nights that I stayed with him in the hospital, because one of us had to stay with him pretty much uh, every night because uh, he ended up having a stroke, he couldn't move, and he just didn't have a very good quality of life for the rest, rest of his days. But one of the first initial days that he was in the hospital, I'm staying with him, and this nurse walks in. This nurse walks in, and my dad looks at her, and he says, what's your name? She tells him his name, and they talk for a little bit, and the next question he asked her this, he says, do you have a church home? And honestly, I'm going to be just brutally honest with you. I got embarrassed. I got embarrassed. And even though I wouldn't say this, probably a part of me was a little bit ashamed. A little bit. I mean, if I want to be brutally honest. And the girl goes, no, I don't. Me and my husband kind of got out of, out of church a while back. We had some things happen, and and this and that, and my dad just starts to share the gospel with her. He says, well, I want to encourage you to do something. He said, because in my life, we went through certain things, and there were certain things that kind of pushed us away, but you know, at the end of the day, we made sure that we were a part of a church family. And then he started talking about what good the church does for families, and how you have this support, and all these type of things like that. And God was dealing with me this entire time, and showing me this example through my father. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Chapter, or chapter 1, verse 16. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Every time you see this word righteous, it's a fancy word for having a right relationship with God. If, if, we, if we had marriage counseling this morning and all the couples just lined up up here and I was like, well, how many would you consider uh, your, your relationship this morning to be good? And then I said, if you, if you can say that, you stay here, everybody else uh, walk out. And the few couples that are still remaining, uh, you could say they have a right relationship. They're connected. They're healthy. They have a healthy relationship. And when you hear this word righteous or righteousness, it's talking about having this right relationship with God. It's talking about a person that has this right relationship with God realizes a few things. And one of the things that they realize is that the gospel is paramount for their life. Not only their life, it's paramount for everybody. Not just for the Jew, not for those of us church people, but it's for everybody. It's for everybody. It's for this father that we read about with Timothy. It says the Jew first, then the Greek. It's the unbelievers it's their opportunity to have salvation. It's their opportunity to have eternal life. This thing that you and I, for those of us that have a relationship with Jesus Christ, possess. And my dad said, you, in this moment, he says, you know what, I know that I'm dying. Because I can remember the day that the nurse or the, the doctor came in and told him and said, you know what, I'm giving you a 40% chance to make it the next five years. 
and I would have given anything for that five years. But we asked the doctor to be completely honest with us and tell us that the, the chemo, and they were giving him chemo every day. He was having a round of chemo every day because they were trying to get ahead because every time they stopped it, the, the cancer would spread. He knew he was dying. He knew he didn't have long. He probably didn't realize that he was going to die as soon as, that, as he was, but he knew that he didn't have long. And he said, you know what? No longer am I concerned with what somebody may think about me if I share this message. No, no longer am I concerned if someone shuts me down because every nurse that came into his, his room over the course of those three months, there's stories that my sister told me, that my mother told me, that people that were there visiting told us of him sharing the gospel multiple times because he started, because the cancer got into his brain, he forgot the people that he had talked to. And I remember one time a black nurse coming in and she was so sweet and she was so good to him. And she says, I love coming in here every day because he forgets that he's told me about Jesus and he tells, he tells me about him again. And I was like, wow, man, I got something to learn. Again, he's taught me so much. He would come home when he, when he started working for legislative audit uh, and, and, and he stopped working uh, in the school here in, in Warren and at Kroger. He had to travel. And whenever I was a little boy, he would leave on a Monday and not come back to a Thursday afternoon. And I can tell you what I feel like just by being gone for a day. And I want to come home, and all I want to do is sit back. I want to kick my feet up in my recliner and watch television and just relax. But he had a little 5-year-old little boy and a little 10-year-old little girl waiting for him because we knew when he was coming home. We had been talking about it all week. And there in his suit and tie, he would bend down in the yard, and he would play, and he'd roll around with us, and he'd throw the ball with us, and he would do all these things, and he took advantage of that time, and he'd never disappoint. He taught us the things that we needed to know as kids. But the ultimate thing that my dad taught me is that, you know what? I'm going to live my life these last few weeks that I have unashamed. And it, it's transformed me. It's transformed me. I was a minister. I was a pastor at that time. I was pastoring a church in McGee. And I learned more in those few moments that I had with him at the end than I'd learned my entire life of what it meant to be unashamed about the gospel. The gospel is something that you and I uh, can, can, can count on and we can understand and we can believe and we can dedicate our lives to and not be ashamed of it because it's something that we don't need to be ashamed of. Because it's perfect. It's perfect. And because of it, because of what Christ has done, this good news, this gospel, this, this story, and it's not just a story that we read about, it's something that actually happened, and it's living inside of us that have placed our faith and trust in it, and in Him. It's something not to be ashamed of, because it has afforded you and I eternity with God the Father in, he in heaven, in this place that is promised to us, that is full of boundless Riches beyond our imagination. We could sit here and we could just, just say the things that Scripture says about it and what we think heaven is going to be like, and I promise you, it's beyond our words. It's beyond our imagination. I remember that day 
that the the doctor came in they told told dad that he was going to die and, it, and you know and it was one of those things that i can imagine that if a doctor was to say it to me and it's a doctor that i trusted in the same way with you i just looked over at dad and he just kind of had this pale expression on his face And like I said earlier, I felt like I had to say something, so we just we, we let it marinate for a while, and it was just he and I in the room. And I said this to him. I said, Dad, this does not change eternity for you. And the color kind of came back to him a little bit, and he said, you're right. It doesn't. It doesn't. And he didn't have to say it because he proved it to me. Over the next few weeks, he says, you know what? It doesn't change eternity for me. But you know what? I'm going to do whatever I can to change eternity for somebody else. Because every person that came into his life, he looked at that as an opportunity to share the good news. This message that you and I just briefly have talked about this morning. But it's a message, and it's the good news that has transformed my life. It has changed my life. And the day that my father passed away on April 10th, just after midnight... He was welcomed into the arms of Christ. He was welcomed into the arms of Christ because of what Christ has done for him. And I know that the day that I die, whether it be today, whether it be tomorrow, whether it be years from now, I'm going to have the opportunity to do the same thing. And there's those of you that are in this room that have an opportunity to say that as truth about your life because of the decision that you've made to follow Jesus Christ. And I pray and I encourage you this morning to not be ashamed. There's a few ways that you and I are ashamed. We can, we can keep it to ourselves. If someone were to come forward and say, you know what, about 15 years ago I discovered the cure for cancer. And I've been just keeping it to myself. That would upset me. They're like, I, I know that there's this, this, these ingredients that you can put together into a shot form and you can give it to anybody who has cancer and it would cure it right then. I would be upset, and I know you would be too, because there's every single person in this room, at some, at some point in our life, we've been touched by this, this devastating disease. And to know that someone has the cure for it, and they're just keeping it to themselves, is ludicrous, and it just sounds unfathomable. That person would be a murderer. That person would be evil. Well, the cancer that is really infestating or infesting our world and that is causing people each and every day to lose their lives is this thing called sin. And the only cure for this is the gospel. It's us placing our faith and trust in Jesus Christ who washes away our sin, who took on our sin on the cross for us. And there's those of us in this room that have this message and we know it and we know the truth and we know how to tell someone whether we can quote the scripture or not, we can tell them what Christ has done in our life and we can lead them to make a decision to follow Christ. But there's so many of us that keep it to ourselves, And you wouldn't say that you're ashamed, but you're not living your life to prove that you're not. Because we get comfortable and, we, and we, we're like, you know what, I, I'm okay with just coming to church. And people see me there and they know that I'm a Christian. I'm a deacon. I'm a Sunday school teacher. I'm all these other things. But when it comes to that tingling feeling that you feel whenever you're talking to someone at the store or you're meeting with coffee with the guys or if someone calls on you and asks uh, for your advice on something, that tingling that you get, you're like, you know, I, just, I should talk to them about Jesus, but then you're, you're afraid and you allow fear 
to overcome. Another way that we, we, we prove to be ashamed is by the way that we live our life publicly. I'm not just talking about keeping something as a secret, but the things that we do outside the walls of this place that doesn't prove that we believe the message that we say that we do. I'm thankful that I didn't have a father that's that, that, that was that way. And on this Father's Day, there might be some people in this room that when you think of your father, you don't think of him with fond memories like I think of mine. And there might be fathers in this room that right now, if we just you know, had an honest conversation with your children, they might not be honest, honestly be able to say the things that I've said about my father and the things that you wish that they would say about you. Because you haven't proven to be a father that has built this legacy of faith in their life. This young man, Timothy, that when Paul talks about him, talks about his authentic faith, and he said it began with his grandmother and his mother. No mention of his father, and then we hear that his father wasn't a believer. His father didn't share this faith that his mother had and his grandmother had, and they influenced Timothy with the gospel, and he became a disciple of Jesus. And he followed Paul around. He did ministry in spite of his father. I pray that one day that my son and my daughter, and if God blesses us with more children, never has to say, I've become this in spite of my father. And I pray the same thing for you. One of the great things about being a follower of Christ, one of the great things about having this relationship is this thing called forgiveness and this thing called repentance that you and I get an opportunity to do daily. And forgiveness is offered to us because of the gospel, because of what Christ has done for us. Whenever I make a mistake, I can come to the Father and I can plead my case and I can, I can ask for forgiveness. I know that it's going to be given to me because of the faith that I've placed in Jesus and what He's done for me on the cross. And then this thing called repentance that God's grace leads us to is you and I get an opportunity to correct and to change our trajectory of whatever it is that's causing us to slip up of, or whatever this sin that we've fallen into. And I'm going to tell you this morning, fathers, if you are not leading by example in your home when it comes to your children's faith and being this spiritual leader that you and I are called to be, it's not an option for you and I that we're called to be. If you're falling short of that or if you're heading in the wrong direction, then you need to repent. You need to change your course. The Principle of, a path, of the Path is a book by Andy Stanley, and he talks about this. He says, your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. It's a great quote, and it's so true. Your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. Like if you and I were in the, the center of Monticello, and you and I wanted to go to Little Rock, Arkansas, we could not turn south on Highway 425 and expect to get there. Eventually, you're going to get to Louisiana, and eventually, you're going to get to the Gulf of Mexico, and then it's not going to be good if you keep trying to go. The only way you and I can get there is we've got to head north. We've got to head in that direction. And so, if this morning, let's think about our direction for a second. Fathers, for just a little bit, fathers, I'm going to pick on you for a little bit longer. If you are wanting to be a godly example for your children, for your wife, for your friends, for the people that are in your life, but your direction is headed in, 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 in the opposite of that, then you need to change your course. And the way you and I do that is repenting. Whenever I talk about repentance with students, 
and it makes sense. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's like if you're heading in this direction and you decide to do an about face and head back in the other direction. It's what repentance is. It doesn't matter what the sin is. If you're following into that and you're, you're following after that, turn around and go the opposite direction because you are not walking in God's way if you're living and walking in sin. You know, I, I'm proud to be able to stand up and say the things I said about my father. Now, he was, he was a flawed person. He had, he had a temper growing up. That was one of the things that I, sh- uh, that I saw that was different in him whenever he came to know Christ is his temper changed just like that. And I saw that. There's, there's things about that that I saw that I remember vividly. But you know what? He ended well. And his direction over the last 10, 15 years of our relationship together changed. And he headed in that right direction. He headed towards that goal of setting a good example for me and my sister. And he apologized when he, when he didn't to us which was big to me as well not being afraid to apologize when we do something wrong but people, parents ladies and gentlemen, children youth, college students whoever's here today it doesn't matter what your status is in life how old you are if there's something in your life right now that's keeping you from having this authentic relationship with Christ that Paul speaks of Timothy this real faith Whatever might be holding you back this morning, I pray that you will say, you know what, no more. No more. And I know it's a country song, and I'm not necessarily saying it's a very good country song to live like you were dying, but you know, this, this, this concept of saying, you know what, I'm not going to be ashamed, and I'm going to live with the unabandoned, because I realize that our life could be ca- t- taken from us just like that. And so I'm going to take advantage of the time that I have here on earth to influence people with the gospel. And to not be ashamed of it. And whatever that takes for you this morning to say, Jesus, forgive me and help me to no longer live my life unashamed. I pray that you'll do that this morning. Hey, this is Matt Overall. I'm the pastor here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Just want to say thanks so much for watching our services, whether through our television ministry or our online ministry. We appreciate you so much being a part of Emmanuel Baptist Church, and we'd love to have you come and join our worship service. Uh, Sunday morning service starts at 10.30. Our small groups start at 9.30. And we'd love to have you be a part of it. We've got a lot of different ministries that happen at Emmanuel, from our children and youth that's focused on Wednesday nights to our uh, women's Bible studies that happen throughout the week. We'd love to have you be a part of everything that's going on here at Emmanuel. Thanks for watching.